on the job with Francis Leach. It's on the job, the podcast all about making your working life better. Francis Leach with you. How are you? Hey, can you hear that sound in the background? That's the sound of the business lobby and big employers starting to mobilise to run a scare campaign against Labor's Better Job Secure Work legislation, the industrial relations legislation that the Albanese Labor government has entered into Parliament following through on its promise in the recent federal election to pass laws to help lift wages in Australia, to provide multi-employer bargaining, to get bargaining moving again, to make sure that wages, which have not grown in real terms, in fact, have gone backwards in real terms for the last five or six years so that workers are working harder and earning less. So you're going to hear a lot from employers about how this particular legislation and these changes are going to bring the sky crashing down, that somehow the economy is going to tank, that jobs will disappear, that shops will shut, and that the world basically is going to stop dead in its tracks. Right. We've heard it all before. It's nonsense. Workers need a pay rise, and when they get a pay rise, they spend that money so that, in fact, that money goes back into the economy, boosting economic growth, driving uh, the sort of retail spending that means that people are actually putting more money into small business, and that way those businesses actually grow. But they might have to share some of that growth and the super profits they're already earning with the workers that they employ. So how do we go back at these employers and make sure that the conversation isn't hijacked by a scare campaign? Well, I thought I'd catch up with Richard Dennis, a good friend of On The Job. He's been on the podcast a number of times and uh, he is the chief economist at the independent think tank, the Australia Institute. And I caught up with him in Canberra this week to talk about the new IR legislation, Secure Jobs Better Pay legislation and what it will mean for workers, and also to talk about how this scare campaign is going to roll out and why it's so very wrong. Here's Richard Dennis. This is On The Job with Francis Leach. Richard, welcome back to On The Job. Always great to have you on the pod. Great to be here. What a time we're living in. As we speak, we are looking down the barrel of trying to pass some serious legislation in Australia, the Secure Jobs and Better Pay Bill, uh, and it's you know hitting a few roadblocks in the Senate as we go along. But it's an important piece of legislation, and it could be a game changer for working people. What are the elements of it that you think are most significant? Oh, look, let's be clear. Low wage growth in Australia didn't just happen. It took decades of work, and that that is, we've had successive governments for for decades in Australia have actually made it harder and harder for workers to work together to get a pay rise. And it worked. We've now got record low wage growth. In fact, we've got real wages declining. We've got wage share of GDP at record lows. And of course, we've got profits at record highs. So we need to change our industrial relations laws for the simple reason that it's our industrial relations laws that play a really important role in the record low wage growth that we're worried about. Now, we're hearing a phrase that a lot of people who, you know, don't follow this stuff closely and, and, you know, only nerds like you and I do this sort of stuff, multi-employer bargaining. It's been demonised by uh, the conservative side of politics as a return to the, quote, bad old days, whatever they are. But what does it actually mean in practice before we make a judgement as to whether it's good or bad or not? Yeah, well, but I I can't let that pass. You mean the bad old days where we had higher wage growth? (laughs) Those bad old days. Terrible, right? right? Which, Which, by the way, everyone agrees we need. 
We're just haggling about how to get there. Uh, So multi-employer bargaining, well, there's a hint in the name. It's when there's bargaining across multiple employers, typically within a particular industry. So if you've got a whole bunch of small manufacturing companies, if you've got a whole bunch of mining companies, if you've got a whole bunch of retailers, rather than have negotiations within each workplace, you do it industry-wide, you know, through a multi-employer bargaining, which is actually not just better for workers in the sense of, well, more of them can get together and, and share a voice. It's actually a lot simpler and administratively cheaper to do multi-employer bargaining in many instances. So that means basically workers probably have more leverage if they're bargaining together collectively? Yes, in lots of ways. Uh, Literally, there's more of them sort of having the conversation at the same time and they can sort of mount a case uh, industry-wide. And at the same time, it's harder for each employer to say, oh, if I'm the first to increase wages, I'll go broke. If I'm the first to increase wages, I'll have to put my prices up and all the customers will go over else. So apart from all of the administrative problems associated with our existing system, which everyone agrees is pretty broken, and apart from the fact that by design it's made it harder for workers to work together to call for a wage rise, it's also the enterprise agreements have given each enterprise a great excuse to not increase wages. Oh, I can't be first. So guess what? No one does. And and that's why you get record wage growth, uh, record low. It's already starting to seed itself this scare campaign, aren't we, around this particular legislation and the idea that wage growth of any sort is going to lead to the ruin of the economy. Oh, yeah. Sky's falling. Sky's falling. Sky's always falling when uh, when you talk about increasing wages, when you talk about increasing taxes uh, for high income earners, talk about increasing company taxes, you talk about you know windfall profits tax on the gas industry in the middle of an enormous uh, boom in the gas prices. Look, unfortunately, you know our uh, Australian public debate is is based more on fear than on facts. Uh, and it's easy to buy a loud voice in Australia. We've seen it with campaigns from the mining industry. We've seen it from campaigns from employers in the past. We've seen Gina Reinhardt on the back of a ute with a megaphone. So buying a loud voice in Australia is, is pretty easy, and, you know, there's always plenty of people in the media willing to amplify that. But if we put the fear aside, the facts aren't nearly so scary. If you have record low wage growth, and you agree, and pretty much everyone, including the Business Council, agree that we need to boost wage growth in Australia, then you can't simultaneously argue that wage growth will cause problems. Right? So everyone, the Reserve Bank, Treasury, even the Business Council have said we need to do something about wage growth. Now that we've got the government trying to pass some industrial relations laws to do that, those same people, many of those same people are now saying, oh, but wage growth will kill the economy. Well, it won't. It'll help the economy. Okay, so let's argue the case. How does it help the economy? Because the argument would be if you put up wages, then increases demand and demand will increase prices. So there you've got an inflation cycle. But we've had inflation without wage growth. Yeah, yeah well, inflation can be caused by lots of things, uh, including a war in the Ukraine that's beyond our control, including enormous profits that's certainly beyond my control. And while it's possible, the idea of a wage price spiral can happen and, and has happened in Australia decades ago. But the fact that something can happen because it's once happened doesn't mean it's inevitable. And what we're seeing at the moment is prices are rising a lot faster than wages. Prices are rising. So because prices are rising faster than wages, real wages are falling, our disposable incomes are falling, 
profits are rising, wages by definition can't be driving the current bout of inflation. So yeah, the the idea that because back in the 70s and 80s when we had much higher rates of unionisation, when we had effectively centralised wage fixing, there were circumstances where you could get a, a wage price spiral. But in Australia, we're stuck at the moment in a profit price spiral and real wages are falling. Workers are getting a smaller and smaller share of GDP. That's the problem we face. Frankly, we shouldn't expect the scare campaign to stop. Uh, but we should expect that the government and indeed more sensible commentators would would sort of stop jumping at these um, uh, scary fairy tales. I mean, you've referred told. to it as a profit crisis, which is an interesting, is. <laughs> interesting take on it. Well, it's, it's a crisis for us. It's great for them. So let's be clear, you know, the mining industry in Australia at the moment, the gas industry in particular, are making record profits. Uh, but there's big profits across the board. And that's because firms are jacking up their prices faster than their costs of production are going up. Why are they doing that? Because they can. You know, Australia is, uh, is is sort of dominated by a small number of oligopolies and they don't fear competition from each other very much. And when one of them puts up their price, they kind of look across at each other, raise an eyebrow and they... <laughs> You know, the other price goes up and, and everybody's happy. So, so the market dynamic, you think, across the Australian economy at the moment, which should keep it competitive, and if it's competitive, you know, that's a drive to lower prices because that's how you, it's not you win your market share. It's, it's not competitive. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's just not like you know. Look at look at look at retail in Australia with Coles and Woolworths. Their market share is enormous compared to grocers in the UK or the US. Uh, look at the big four banks in Australia. Their market share is enormous compared to banks in in almost anywhere else in the world. Airlines, petrol, like you name it. Like it's just silly to say that we kind of have an economy dominated by competition. We have an economy dominated by a small number of oligopolists. And Economics 101 teaches us that oligopolists uh, are inclined to work strategically with each other. Now, to be clear, it would be illegal for them to collude. Were they to have a meeting to set price, that would be wrong. Proving that they'd had such a meeting, very hard. Even harder to prove that, gee, when one of them puts their price up, the other just puts the price up and they both just sit there smiling. So we have a competition crisis as well. Well, the competition crisis is driving the profit crisis, absolutely. And and there are mechanisms here. I mean, we should stop all these firms from merging, like we keep letting them merge. Our competition laws are very weak by international standards. Or if we can't regulate to ensure there is competition, then we should tax these enormous profits. It's not rocket science. And, you know, when Joe Stiglitz was out in Australia earlier this year, Nobel Prize winning economist, knows the thing or two, former head of the World Bank, he thought it was, um, well, he, he said that it was um, uh, it was a no-brainer for Australia to, to have a super profits tax on gas, for example. So imagine if right now we were collecting a lot of tax off the gas industry, which through no skill or effort of its own is making enormous profits thanks to Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. Imagine if we took billions of dollars in tax from those people and we spent it making childcare cheaper, pharmaceuticals cheaper, trip to the doctor cheaper. What would we do? Well, we'd be lowering inflation because by definition, we'd be pushing the price of things down. We'd be improving access to important services. 
we'd be creating more demand in the economy for other things because if people were spending less on their childcare or pharmaceuticals, they could spend more money on other things. So it is a no-brainer. There is no reason to not do this. And I haven't even mentioned the fact that the oil and gas industry is overwhelmingly foreign-owned. So the profits don't even stay here and circulate in the Australian economy. They just get sent overseas. So Look, there's nothing in the Constitution says we should do the smart thing or the right thing or the fair thing. We, It's a democracy. We can be as dumb as we want. And, yeah, those that well-known lefty Boris Johnson thought a super profits tax was a good idea for BP when BP was making profits in the UK, but we're so kind to British Petroleum that we, we don't want to burden them. Do you think Australia's uh, public are a little bit more acutely aware of the need for these sorts of changes, given that the cost of living uh, impact is very real for them? Uh, it does appear in their bills. It uh, is limiting their consumer and leisure choices. All of those things. The economy is is lived now in a way that it probably hasn't been. Yeah. In it, it's been a bit abstract for a long time. Now it's very real to them. Oh, I hope so. Uh, and look, the Australia Institute's done a lot of polling on this, and you know, there's overwhelming public support, for example, for a super a profits tax on gas, overwhelming public support. But, you know, at the moment, we've just had a mini budget. We're not that far away from budget in May next year. Not a lot of signs that we're going to see one. But yeah, I think the public can see that. And also, I think the public can finally see that it's nonsensical to kind of go along with this idea that whatever's good for the resources industry is good for us. Like, you know, really, that's kind of been the meta message in Australian politics for years. Just give the mining industry everything it wants, give the gas industry everything it wants. And if we do that, they'll make us rich and then we'll all be happy. Well, yeah, nah. Because <laughs> well no because they've never been richer like let's let's be clear the profits getting made in iron ore the profits being made in gas are extraordinary so to the extent that our strategy was make the miners first and it will trickle down to us boy we nailed step one uh, but I think a few people are getting a bit skeptical that step two might ever occur. How much further do you think inflation's got to go in terms of the way that it can punish consumers and workers at the moment? Do you think we're near the the, the peak of it, or, or it could it get tougher in the second uh, in in the second year of the Albanese government? Oh, well, it could. But sorry to correct you, it's not inflation that's doing the harm. It's it's the falling real wages, right? So if we had five percent inflation and five percent wage increases, well, okay, not who cares. I wouldn't really care that much. wouldn't have a big impact. That's the point. What's hurting people <laughs> is that inflation is running at 6 7% and wage growth running at 2 3%. That's what's hurting people. So it's fascinating in Australia. We're just so well-trained, right, to always find something abstract that's causing our pain, you know, the markets or global competitiveness or, like, it's always someone or something else's fault. Oh, now it's the inflation. No, no, it's not the inflation that's hurting us. It's the wage-fixing system, which doesn't help people get decent wage rises, hasn't for years, and now with this, you know, small increase in inflation, this is not surging post-World War II Weimar public inflation. This is just, you know, modest inflation by global and and historic standards. But we get this modest outbreak of inflation and it causes enormous pain in Australia. But again, I would argue it's, it's the low wage growth that's causing the pain. The modest inflation was just a problem that we had to adapt to, but we adapted to it with the record profits, 
not with maintaining real wages. So crucial couple of weeks coming up to see if this legislation can pass as a a starting point. Absolutely. I think, uh, again, new rules will lead to new outcomes. There's there's no doubt there. But uh, we need to do more still. You know, we need uh, public sector wage growth. Uh, There's no way that the childcare sector and the aged care sector uh, and the disability care sector at the moment can pay decent wages to millions of people, typically women, unfortunately, work in those sectors. So if we're actually going to not just kind of tackle average wage growth, but if we're going to tackle the lowest wages in Australia, yeah, we're going to need to do more than change the bargaining system. But starting with the bargaining system makes perfect sense. You've got to start somewhere and the best present for Christmas would be a decent pay rise for most Australian workers. Well, I, I, it would be nice if it was that fast, but yeah, the, the quicker the ledge passes, the, the, the quicker that uh, those pay rises might start. Richard, thanks for your insight once again. We'll catch you again soon here on The Job. Thanks, Francis. This is On The Job with Francis Leach. There he is. He's a super friend of the pod, Richard Dennis, Chief Economist at the Australia Institute, the Independent Think Tank. And this is another edition of On The Job, Done and Dusted. My name's Francis Leach. Thank you so much for being with us. Once again, that ask, I always make an ask. I'd love you to review our podcast uh, wherever you are listening to it, whichever platform is your pod plat of choice. That way other people find the information and inspiration. It really does make a big difference because the more reviews we get, it sort of uh, wins the algorithm battle and sends the podcast as a suggestion to others who might be interested in these issues Uh, and of course you can do that too by just telling your mates and your friends about it your family about it uh, and let them know that this podcast is here for them and of course the other thing you need to do is join your union australianunions.org.au head there now join your union become a member become an active member and i'll see you on the next edition of on the job bye-bye